Oh, the ting definitely has disappeared, but I'd like to welcome everyone to the non Podcast, episode 104. For a change, I think we've probably got the show title before we've started. Uh, it's Kristen Smith sitting overlooking the O2 tonight. And here in Bracknell Barkshire, as always, it's me, James Bartley. Um, still buzzing after a fabulous non-league finals there. Just a bit further down the M4, it's me, Bob Overfield, sitting in West London, and... Uh, thinking of it's been a pretty decent weekend yeah I, I agree it's been a great great weekend we have uh, a live interjection that we will do uh, later on so uh, strange as it may seem uh, we're in the live stream at the moment recording this uh, as it is on Monday uh, 23rd of uh, May but um, what we're going to do uh, part way through the show is we're going to edit in our little analysis directly after the FA Vars final uh, yesterday. So, let's say we're recording this on the 23rd, and as everybody who's anything to do with non-league will know, yesterday was the newly inaugurated uh, non-league finals day. One of the longest hashtags you'll ever get, so uh, good luck to anybody who was tweeting that out yesterday. But uh, we all had a little trundle down to Wembley and saw a couple of great games, and... James, what, what was your thoughts on it? Obviously, we don't need to go into too much detail with the FA Vars because we have our little section, but overall, as a, a day out, uh, it started off really nice, and I know Callum got an ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, mm. it, it, was a, it was a great opportunity for me to, uh, to take Callum um, to Wembley for the first time. He, he's uh, seven, um, hasn't had the pleasure before, um, mainly because... You know, you, you take into a Latin England game and it's it sold out and it's ninety thousand and it could be quite intimidating for for someone who's on the uh, you know his biggest crowd would probably be the two and a half thousand that were at Hereford. Uh, sorry, that were at Maidstone when we went over with uh, with Hampton and Richmond Borough a couple of years ago. So the fact that it was going to be um, half full at best, I thought it was a pretty decent uh, opportunity to take him and and he loved it. Um, you know, as you say, we got to see two two fabulous games, and um, you know, I I was sceptical. I think it's probably on record on this podcast that I've been quite sceptical of of the reasons behind doing a non-league finals day from the FA. Um, but as a as a neutral, well, kind of a neutral, I was supporting uh, Halifax in the uh, in the trophy as being a being from Huddersfield. So I, but. You know, in in terms of the day itself, yeah, I think yeah, I think I was kind of proved wrong. I thought I think my um, my scepticism was unfounded in the end because I certainly had a great day. I do still have a, a few little reservations about it, but um, yeah, it was it was a really good day, and of course, being there with uh, with you guys was uh, made it all the better. Rob, and uh, what were your thoughts down there? Obviously, you'll you'll be going down that way again uh, soon for the uh, Roman Premier League. Uh, uh, evening meal and the nice dinner and the awards and stuff so uh, but what were your thoughts on the day because uh, I've, I've got some uh, interesting ones hopefully yeah after me I thought it was a really good day I mean yes there's got there was a few teething troubles um, as logistically I mean they ran out of programs very early on apparently I don't think the FA had quite imagined they would sell so many um, I mean I tried to find one where we were in the top tier of the stadium and the um, souvenir concession on that on that level just had nothing uh, and apparently this was repeated elsewhere in just case of there just wasn't enough match programs to go around 
which you know will probably mean that the FA next see next time because they will do it again. They've been well happy with it. There's going to be probably a good you know a good couple of weeks to go through it and digest everything that's happened. But I feel sure they'll do it again next year. And with a bit of luck, they'll get you know two teams getting into the trophy final that will bring decent crowds. I mean there was you know there was a fair there was a fair few there for the um, Grimsby Town Halifax Town game and uh, you know seeing the fact the way that the FA had had to open up the top tier for the Hereford support was was astounding it, it really was it was jaw dropping to see how many people wearing the uh, white shirts were you know inside the stadium i just couldn't believe it and um, the photographs are put on the up on the facebook group um, at that time during the day you know really show it well the fact how many that uh, just invaded the stadium it was amazing well that's that's the thing there was um, i think the official attendance was 46871 or was it 781 uh, get me numbers mixed up but still Wembley was more than half full but it wasn't um, and th and this was uh, something that Hereford brought must have they must have brought 20,000 people uh, over there. Like you say, the, yeah. the ground was divided up into quarters, and we just look at it that there were four, um, there were two, three tiers available for Hereford. Morpeth brought a good support down there from uh, from a long way away up there in the northeast. And then, uh, like we say, Halifax and Grimsby both brought decent numbers with them. So from an FA point of view, it was a resounding success, mm -hmm. um, and I would like. I think we discussed yesterday. I think we're, we're going to see this again next year. As far as they're concerned, it's ticked a few boxes. It's meant their cost base was a little bit lower, and they were able to produce uh, a nice spectacular. But my mm -hmm. thoughts on it was. It was a pound to get a child in. It was £25 for two games of football at the National Stadium. But who the hell came up with the concession pricing? You would have thought, if you're dealing with people like Morpeth and Hereford, where you pay £2.50 for a pint, you pay a pound for a burger, how can they justify £5 for a pint of dross that is Carlsberg? I know they sponsor and get it all at reduced cost, but that was just ridiculous. Um... And so, for me, that was the big letdown of the day, because I know um, Callum was wanting popcorn, which wasn't open in our end, um, but obviously had been open the day before for the uh, FA Cup final, but £5 for a pack of popcorn. It, it, I know it's London, I know it's Wembley, but this is non-league people who are used to paying a lot less, because if you think of the, the travel that the Morpeth fans did, some of them left at 4 o'clock in the morning to get down, and... I just don't understand why the FA couldn't have said, right, we'll halve the prices for today. We're expecting a lot of kids because we're only charging a pound. We are expecting... We, they must have known that they'd already... They already knew they'd sold 45,000 tickets before anything, before the gates opened because they were sold through the clubs and sold direct from the FA. And I just don't understand why they didn't think about the concession pricing. And... It could be. I, I may have misunderstood something, but I was under the impression that you could get out to see the Wembley store, you could get out to look at the exhibition and stuff. And then they started saying that there was no readmittance if you left the building. Yeah, I think. Mm. I, I mean, that that was our big thing, wasn't it? Because 
you know, understandably they had to have a, a fairly sizable gap between the two matches in case the FA Vars went to ex extra time. Um, and obviously, then you know they have to give those two teams chance to clear the, the dressing rooms out and let Halifax and Grimsby in. Cause I, I guess, although I don't, I don't actually know how many changing rooms there are, but I assume they probably just use the two main ones for the that they would use for the FA Cup final to give to give but all four teams the um the you know the authentic experience I guess so I mean I know there's been a lot of complaint on the Facebook groups and that today about the about the near two hour gap between the matches um, and I think I said it yesterday didn't I you know could they not have brought the kick off forward of the knowing or scheduled it for quarter past three the second game and then push it back if if extra time was needed in the Vars final but yeah the, considering you had that big gap between the games there was there was nothing to do um you 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 know the end trying to entertain kids there um was you know well you just couldn't could you it was thankfully Callum didn't get didn't get too uh, too bored um we went for a little bit of a walk around the concourse where we could um but even that if you notice when we came back to our seats yeah there was a, we were quizzed even yeah. though the Hereford fans had left at that point because this was half an hour before the game of the um, uh, it was half an hour before the Halifax and Grimsby game and most of the Hereford fans as you'd expect had left and yet we got quizzed walking back to our seats we couldn't have got up there without a ticket yeah exactly and I mean you said about the um, you know they came they came on the the, the PAs didn't the same you know, if you if you leave, you can't get back in. Kind of, you know, pleading with people to stay almost because, you know, then we walked to, over to the uh, terrace in to overlook Wembley Way, and uh, you, it was just a, a sea of people piling out mm. towards Wembley Park tube station. They were, you know, all the Hereford and Morpeth fans, and you know, you can't blame them. Uh, Morpeth have got a hell of a long way to go back home, and uh, Hereford have just been humped for one at Wembley. So, I don't think either set mm. of fans were particularly in the mood to stay for for a game that they don't really care about and they've seen their cup final um, and as you said yesterday I think didn't you Kristen you know Hereford could get back get back home for you know early evening and uh, and you know and uh, well commiserate but um, you know get out Drum on the sorrows. yeah get out on the town have their evening you know go out with the wife or whatever you know, watch the random England game yeah the FA Cup final yeah, I have to admit that was one thing I just did not understand the fact that FA, you know, were claiming to be big supporters of grassroots football, and there was many adverts and many, you know, films on the big screen saying exactly what they were doing for community programs. You know, there was displays of walking football and disability football and youth coaching and things like that, and yet they've gone and scheduled the finals. And then given the national team a game up in the northwest, up in Manchester, I'm thinking this does not sound like an organisation that really was supporting the day. Yes, the names all over it. Yes, it's the national stadium. But to put you know an international game on a Sunday afternoon when there's already a match there, well, why couldn't they have done it Monday evening tonight? Why couldn't they have done it this evening? Well, you know, it, then, I don't get it. It's not just size. It's the fact that they've put it the day after the FA Cup final when. They know there's going to be England players playing the... As in the yeah. England captain. Yeah, yeah, you've got... <laughs> and Chris Smalling, you know, there are players there who would normally be in an England squad. And these, you know, just to go off the non-league for a minute, you know, 
these these games that England are playing now are, are warm up games for a major tournament. So why the you know the scheduling of that is just moronic, even if there wasn't anything going on in, in the you know in the finals there. But you know, I mean, one one good thing that came out of it is uh, there were nearly two thousand more at Wembley than there were at the uh, was it Manchester City's ground, I think, wasn't it? So there were yeah, more, it was. you know, which which says says quite a lot, and I, I think that kind of sums up the. Uh, the Public attitude to it because what does what does Man City's ground hold? Is it about sixty thousand? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's got to be more that. It's got to be know, near it's, that. It's only it's essentially only what two thirds full. Mm. You you would have thought England don't play away from Wembley that often anymore. You know, it, 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 every game always sold out when England were on the road when Wembley was being rebuilt. So to to not get a full house at an England game must be. It's, you know, it's, it's got to be quite embarrassing because, mm. I mean, that, that quite frankly is a quite a poor attendance considering it's the first time in four, six. How long's Wembley been open now? Six, seven years, something like that. Maybe even longer. I can't remember. You know, it's getting on for a decade, and this is the first time that England have played a, a home match pretty much away from the capital, and they can't sell it out. It's you know, how, but, how, but once again, is they, they they put it after the game when half of Manchester trundled down to Wembley to watch the FA Cup final. Yeah, they're going to still be celebrating the FA Cup final, and yeah, it's also across the blue half who are they're not necessarily going to go because it's the blue half. But those are the the people who would come all the way to London at a moment's notice to come and watch the FA Cup final are the same sort of people who would go and watch England. Playing in the city. Well, I mean, to be fair, most of the fans at Wembley yesterday would probably have been from Surrey. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to admit, there's al- I have to admit, there's always a standing joke that um, you know, wherever Manchester United are playing, um, you know, say for an example, of playing in the Midlands, they always can manage to get back home before the home supporters get home. <laughs> so it's just a game. But no, it, but no, it, it just does, just didn't make any kind of sense the way everything was scheduled by the FA last weekend. I mean, I could have understood, right, the FA Cup final, that's fine. Non-league day, Wembley the following day, yep, that's fine. But then why put the international match at the same time? You could have, if you if, if, say had it the week before, or the, say like either tonight, tomorrow, or Wednesday, you know, that would have made a bit more sense because then there's a progression of things. And as it turned out, you see, because of the fact that the England match was on and gathering people's attention, that little bit of attention that, that the finals day would have gathered, it being the only event that day, had gone. And I mean, like I said, this is an organisation that said they were supporting grassroots football. And it just lends the light to that statement, the fact that all the attention that the non-league day should have had uh, part of it was lost because England were playing in Manchester. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, FA, but this is, to put it bluntly, absolutely ridiculous. If you, you make your mind up, what are you going to do every day? Are you going to do the national team? Are you going to do the premier knockout tournaments of the country? Are you going to support the grassroots level of the game? Make your mind up. This was not it. Sorry. <laughs> but they can do they can do all of those three things, but not on the same day. Or even not even the same weekend to me, but just um, we'll just we'll cut away to our immediate thoughts. Uh, I apologise for any of the, the background noise, but this was recorded um, inside Wembley. Uh, we didn't manage to get press uh, uh, passes or anything, so it's in the normal concourse. So it could be a little bit noisy, uh, and it's it's about ten minutes. So we'll we'll just uh, listen to that for a little bit. Right, so we're just going to intersect with our little review of the FA uh, Vars final yesterday. Um, looking at uh, 
after 15 minutes, I thought Hereford were just going to walk this, but Rob, I don't know what you thought, but a cracking game. Yes, it was a good advert for the FA Vars this afternoon. You know, first first 15 minutes, as you said, Kristen, it was pretty much, you know, all Hereford, Hereford FC and, you know, after that, you wouldn't have given uh, Mark with a price, but in the end, he did come back into it. And um, a goal straight after half-time, basically, in many respects, not the stuffing out of Hereford. James? Yeah, I mean, you know, 75 seconds in and a, a stunning strike from Rob Purdy. Um, yeah, and it did, as you say, it did look like it was going to be all one-way traffic. We might see 4-5-0 for Hereford. Um, but Morpeth rode that 15-20 minute storm when uh, their goalkeeper had to make a lot of saves and a lot of good saves. And then they, they just start to get a little foothold in the game. Um, a fortuitous goal uh, to equalise um, from well, a veteran, I think is the word for Chris Wales, and he's about 46, I think, uh, 45, 46. Um, corner came in, it just hit him at the back post, went over the line, uh, despite about four Hereford players trying to clear it. And uh, yeah, and that was, uh, that was half time, although Hereford should have been behind at half time, actually. Um, it was a horrendous miss. From um, I can't, was it Michael Chilton? I think who missed. He went with his right foot when he should have gone with his left and put it wide. And uh, yeah, a goal then. What 30 seconds into the second half for Her- uh, for Morpeth. And uh, yeah, really could see it really rattled Her- uh, Hereford, and they they could never get a foothold in the game after that. And uh, Morpeth just you know carried on scoring and uh, 4-1. A deserved win in the end, and carries on the northeast love affair with the Vars. Yeah, it's just before we, we leave and actually analyse why they have a love affair with it, it, it's just, to me, why didn't John Mills start? And he yeah. came on and he was very frustrated. He came on for, it must have been for about 15 minutes at the end. Only had two chances. One, his teammate took it away from him. And the other one, the keeper made a save after he ultimately fluffed the shot. But it's one of those things that we, we were talking as we watched the, uh, the warm-up and we saw the teams announced. But it's just somebody big like that, 50 goals for the last two seasons, and he's missing. And was that the wrong decision? Is that the difference between the two sides? And overall, Walker did run away 4 1. Probably maybe one extra goal. Uh, I think Hereford probably deserved one other goal. Yeah. Uh, they I had mean, a couple of saves. Yeah, 3 1 would have been fair, but I mean, they just broke away in the last you know, injury time to get the fourth, didn't they? But. Yeah, it's interesting you say about John Mills. He's a player that I was really looking forward to seeing after you know, his 100 goals in the last couple of seasons. Um, but it was also Mustafa Bundu, a uh, tricky winger. He came on about half an hour ago, I think. He was the first player to come on. And he really, really added something to the Hereford attack. And you just feel that like if he and Mills had started again, that it might have been diff- you know, it might have been a different outcome. But uh, all credit to Morpeth. You know, in the end, they rode that early storm. And... Uh, and managed to come out deserved winners. But as, as we see, the Vars love affair up, up there in the northeast, uh, up in Northumberland, uh, Morpeth are travelling a long way back up. Some of their fans set off at four o'clock this morning to get down here. Uh, but Rob, what is this love affair that they have? It's it's one of those things that uh, I know, uh, James. You can comment on the tweet you've just received in asking this question. But mm. what's your thoughts on this? I mean, it's an interesting one because a lot of the time. A lot of the um, teams from the from the Northern League and you know Northumberland and Tyneside, you don't tend not to see them too often in the you know in the uh, leagues because of the travelling costs that moving into the like, Conference North and the and the Northern Premier League would give them. It's, it's just interesting the way that they always seem to produce a good team every year to end up in the final and basically showing them that 
you know, football is still alive and well at a grassroots level, you know, up in the northeast. Whether they can persuade one or two of them to come into the um, to the excesses of the uh, Northern Premier or the Conference North, it'll be interesting. But over time, I think you know we might see one or two of them come in. Yeah, um, as you said, Kristen, I, I did just put a tweet out saying, "What is it with the Northeast and their love affair with the bars?" And uh, at, at the first man, he uh, immediately said, um, "You know, maybe it's because they always reject promotion through the pyramids and throw money at it." Which yeah, maybe a bit of a simplistic view, but if you're at step five, you go into the season favourites to win the FA Vars, don't you? You're among the favourites. Whereas if you suddenly take a promotion, you're in step four, and then you're one of the minnows in the trophy. So if, you, if you're looking at building a silverware, a legacy of silverware, then uh, I can understand that. Um, and as I said, it, there are no close away trips from that sort of region, are they? You know, if, if they went up into the other leagues, their travel costs would, uh, would skyrocket. So. It's understandable to a degree, um, and while I keep churning out these teams that can uh, that can come to Wembley and lift the, lift the bars, then uh, I think it'll carry on. Yeah, it's something that I think uh, we're going to see a bit more of. But I don't know about you, sir. I thought the atmosphere was great today. Seventeen thousand plus uh, Hereford fans there, uh, just over four thousand down there from Morpeth. But so we're looking at maybe with the Grimsby and Halifax fans who came in a bit early. Probably looking at what twenty five. Yeah, probably. Which is twenty five thousand to watch the Bars final. Um, it is the non-league uh, finals day, so uh, we're busy recording this as we're waiting for the uh, trophy to start. It's the number of background. We're actually in Wembley at the minute, but uh, it's what are the thoughts now because if those seventeen thousand had hung around, we would then be looking at maybe over thirty or forty to watch the uh, trophy final, but. What we're looking at now is going to reduce down to about what, maybe 25? Uh, possibly even less. I mean, uh, where we are, we can just see out over the terracing, we can see Wembley Way, and uh, you can just see thousands of fans streaming back towards Wembley Park tube station, um, all dressed in white. So that's that's the Hereford fans. Uh, you know, understandably, they've just seen their team uh, mullered 4 1 at Wembley. They're uh, probably not going to want to stick around now till, till 7 o'clock or, you know, to watch a match that they pretty much have no interest in. Um, so yeah, you're probably going to be looking at maybe 20, 22,000 and that's if the Morpeth fans hang around. Uh, I don't know whether they will. I don't know what time their coaches are due to go back back up north. Um, it's already a long day for them. They set up at half four this morning from the ground. So it'll be interesting. I mean, this is a game that I'm looking forward to now. We're in the Halifax end. Uh, it's you know, Halifax against Grimsby. Um, it deserves to have a bigger crowd than it's going to get. But, you know, the FA will claim it's a success because of the amount of tickets sold. But... You know, when the, when that massive support from Hereford has gone, you know, it's, it's going to kill the atmosphere because they were taking over a good portion of the stadium. But you're not going to see that on the TV because they're behind the cameras. They're uh, across the stadium from where the uh, where the cameras point. So, uh, well, yeah, probably, they, probably good planning. I think it's going to be the other side because um, this this heart or well, this game, the cameras on our side looking at the looking at the fans. Mm. Then now they're going to shoot everything on the yeah. other side, which. I think to me though Rob I, I think it, if I was the FA I would be pleased I, I can say I sold 45,000 tickets yeah because I mean overall they've got what they wanted which was you know a big crowd in the stadium admittedly not all at the same time but as you said the tickets have been sold they've got the money it's, the atmosphere was brilliant for the first game what it'll be like for the, for the, for the um, Halifax Grimsby game is another question but you know there's if anything even more to play for for both teams we know that Halifax have had to accept relegation. Grimsby, 
they're back in the Football League this game could be a David and Goliath or it could just be a walkover yeah very much like the first one I mean it you know after after 75 seconds it was going to be a walkover wasn't it but then David armed his slingshot and uh, and got his win but I, I think Halifax could do this they, they just need Grimsby now to, to think it was job done last week they achieved their season objective of going up um, but you know looking at it from the other point of view regardless of whether you got promoted last week or not if you can't come to Wembley and want to win a trophy then you shouldn't be playing the game regardless, uh, regardless of what you did the week before so Grimsby will be on it and they have the firepower well you, you are you're looking at it from a footballing perspective but now if I look at it from a fan's perspective if I've got limited resources oh, yeah, I yeah. want to come last week and I want to shout my team through to the tr- yeah, I, I know through team. to the actual football league yeah. where it's been six years yeah. I remember Rob will remember you're probably a little bit too young they used to be my Panini First Division sticker album and, and that's the thing and I was mentioning this thing with Manchester United yesterday winning the, the cup here there are people born now who support Manchester United who think it's their God-given right to win Dave. <laughs> but that's because that's what they used that's to and used to, yeah, it's we have time. a generation at Grimsby of people who remember when they used to be Football yeah. League Kings we have the same generation at Halifax and it's going to be galling for Halifax to come down and now officially there are a gulf of two divisions between the two teams but like you said goals 7-0 4-2 there's going to be goals I hope there's goals after the, what we've just seen yeah I mean I, I wrote a preview on uh, underleague.com and um, Hereford in, in Pablo Hersham and John Mills had two players who scored more between them than the whole Morpeth team so if it, I, I saw it being 4-1 but certainly not to Morpeth today so it, it could mean, uh, you know, I've said Grimsby have got all the firepower, Porikamond and uh, Nathan Arnold and Omar Bogle. But, you know, could Halifax through Jordan Burroughs, their top, their top threat? And, uh, you know, they, they'll be desperate now. They, they will see this now as a curtain raiser for their new season in the National North rather than the, uh, the end of the disappointment that they've just had. They've had a horrible season, gone through, what, four managers? Is, you know, and, and been hunted several times, as you say, Grimsby beat them 7-0. Uh, earlier in the season so it'll it'll be an interesting encounter um, it, it's going to be one of those where the first 15-20 minutes are going to be crucial I think if Grimsby get on top I think it could be uh, it could be a long, long one for Halifax but you know we're in the Halifax end they're uh, neighbours of my home team Huddersfield so you know come on chairman let's do this and by magic we're back um, <laughs> so that we had our thoughts yesterday, and we had our immediate thoughts. We're going to concentrate on the Vars first, and well, then we'll go to uh, the trophy. But um, now you've had a chance to dwell on it, it's still, well, now I've had a chance to dwell on it, I still cannot believe, after a minute and 17 seconds, Hereford scored. And then for the next 14 minutes, it was, wow, save, save, save. The Morpeth keeper played an absolute blinder. And it it still staggers me that it went in at half time, one all, um, when man of the match, uh, Chris Smales. Now we we worked out yesterday he's what forty five, forty six, and forty five. Yeah, because I said yeah. at the time I looked, I looked, I was looking online because I thought that name seems familiar, and I looked at his birthday and he's he's two months older than me, and I said and I'm forty six this Christmas, so it's a case of I thought whoa. There we go, and um, you know, I mean, when you look at all the things he's had, you know, that's happened to him in his career, makes you wonder how he's still playing. It's just amazing. Yeah. 
But yeah, it was. It, 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 it was an amazing match as well because he he got the first goal. Uh, <laughs> he didn't know much <laughs> about it to me. Uh, keeper missed it and bounced off him and goes in. And then 44 seconds into the second half, another goal for Morpeth, very well taken. And then I think what really set it going then was uh, the third goal for Morpeth, which then really put the cat amongst pigeons and. I think James, we mentioned it yesterday, and, and so it's going to be in the little uh, the little piece we've just listened to. But just once again, uh, calming down and not having the immediate reaction to the game. But John Mills, why didn't he start? Yeah, I mean, regular listeners will know, you know, that he's he's one that we've always kept an eye on because he, he got fifty odd goals for for Didcot last season. He's I think he's we got 38 in the league for Hereford this season. I think he I think he went over 50 in all competitions. And it you know it's I saw a few comments on Twitter actually um, replying to when Hereford put out or you know when the when the lineups came out and you know people were saying the guy scores 50 goals for you all season and he's sitting down for the for the cup final. It's absolute madness. Um, it, but it wasn't just him, was it? We you know we mentioned there in in that little bit that we uh, that we did straight after the match that. You know they brought on a left winger, Mustafa Bundu, um, and as soon as he came on, I think his, the first thing he did was take a fullback on and win win a corner, and it it was a pretty much, you know, the most direct they'd been since about the 15-20th minute, and it just I just don't understand why why he didn't start John Mills. Whether there was a little, I, you know, I haven't read anything towards it, but I don't know whether there was a little niggle or or what the reason was, but why you would leave your your 50 goal striker on the bench you know if he's fit enough to be on the bench then if surely he's fit enough to, to play an hour and you know that sort of thing and, and get some goals for you and, and put the game to bed because you get the feeling that if he'd been on the pitch in that first 15-20 minutes the game would have been out of sight because Hereford just swarmed more it was, you know we we had fantastic seats um, so thank you for that Kristen uh, we had superb seats uh, nice and high but right on halfway, and uh, we commented yesterday. It was like watching Football Manager. You could see everything happening on the pitch all over. It was absolutely superb, and we we could just see that Morpeth were totally rattled. They had, you know they hadn't had a chance to settle, and Hereford had scored, and and just kept piling on and piling on. As, as you say, it was it was down to the Morpeth keeper that that it was uh, less than five, let alone only one. Um, so they gave Chris Swales a man of the match, but for me, it should have been the goalkeeper because he. Sensational in that opening, opening quarter hour, and you know you build, you build your team on that, don't you? And they, you know, if anyone was going to win four-one yesterday, it certainly didn't look like it was going to be Morpeth. But you know what a comeback! And Hereford, that that goal early on in the second half to make it two-one, that just absolutely, it, well, it, it rattled Hereford. We saw it, and uh, before they knew it, it was three-one, and they just couldn't, couldn't respond, and. Uh, you know, and they broke away in the in oh, virtual last kick of the game, didn't they, to uh, to make it four? And you know, in the end, a deserved win. Um, certainly didn't look like it was going to go that way, though. No, no it, it was it was a cracking game, and oh, it was fab- it was a fantastic game, wasn't it? It was end to end for the for most of it, and it was you know it, it very rarely had any lulls. It was a it was a fantastic spectacle to watch and a great advert. And I'm hoping a lot of people caught it on BT Sport because it was it really was. a cracking game it was and when when we turned up uh, and we looked at it Hereford looked like a football league club um, 
they played really well that first 15 minutes. They, you, you would have thought they were playing. You were watching a League Two club play somebody from the Northern League. Uh, you really thought that. And then with the crowd and the support and how noisy they were. But I think it started when that first goal uh, went in from Smales, which wasn't so much against the runner play, but unexpected. The corner didn't look that brilliant. It was the same corner that had been played the th- previous three corners. Had played to the big man at the back post. Keeper fluffed it. And then it bounces in. And I think that really stunned them. And it was surprising how many, how much noise 4,000 people can make um, in a stadium that holds 90 when 17,000 people are suddenly gone quiet. Mm. It was it was it was it was a goal that I think they felt that they were never going to concede. You know, they'd had the best part of the first half, her first half hour of the game, and as, as far as they were concerned, you know, the only thing that was going to stop them was themselves. Uh, from what they'd seen in that first thirty minutes, Morpeth, you know, were just there to make up the numbers, and then when when Swales's goal went in, yeah, as you said, it bounced off him and went over the line. You almost got the impression that they looked around as if they said, "Well, that ain't right. That ain't supposed to happen." And for the rest of that, for the rest of that first half, they just didn't just lost a little of that swagger that they had. And then Morpeth came out you know, stronger in the second half and said, "We want this. We're taking that trophy with us." And they went and proved it with three goals. And they went to be this uh, the seventh team from the northeast. To win in the last eight years, the Vars. Seventeen from the Northern League, not just the North East. But that's what I was meaning. I was meaning yeah. that. I was meaning from there. But it's a seventeen out of eight years, which then leads to question, like we discussed briefly uh, in the uh, our immediate thoughts after the game. Why? And I think James, you received that tweet yesterday, which I think probably sums it up correctly. That it is all to do with don't move for don't move into the next league because all of a sudden your cost base becomes huge in comparison. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it, you know, it's a good answer as, as, um, as it was mentioned there in that little bit of straight after the game that we did. Um, it's, you know, it's probably right. The, the teams reject promotion. They don't, uh, they don't choose to, to apply for, for promotion generally. Um, I think um, one team did, was it Bishop Auckland, I think, did apply for promotion out of the Northern League this time, but finished fourth. Um, and were rejected, I believe. Yeah, because apparently they have to finish in the top three in that division to be eligible, I think. <laughs> Which is bizarre, because at other divisions at that level, because um, even Bracknell Town, uh, three years ago when they came up, I think they finished fifth. It was just the fact that the four teams above them couldn't come up, and they could, that they got promoted. So why it's why it's the top three in the northern league I don't know but apparently that's the way it is um but yeah they they just don't seem to to want to come up as I said yesterday it, it's maybe a case of they're step five so they're in the top division for the vars rather than being in the fourth division for the trophy so it gives them a good chance to get to Wembley and you know and, and you know they're getting 25 grand for winning it it's you know it's peanuts yeah. but for a club in step five that's big money um you know, it's, it's, I mean, you, you've got uh, if Morpeth went up. Sorry, Robert. If if Morpeth went up, they'd have they've got no chance in the trophy. Absolutely no chance. Same with Whitley Bay. Same with any Northern League club. If you're in the Northern League, you're you're one of the big dogs in the in the Vars. So it makes sense from that point of view. 
I mean, if you think about it, twenty-five thousand that they earned from prize money for winning the to- winning the trip to Vast, and then their share of the gate money as well. Let's not forget that. Let's oh yeah, that. yeah, of course, yeah, and let's, and of course, that. yeah, the rest I mean, the rest of the get prize money from the previous rounds as well. Yep, yep. If you think about it, Morpeth have probably covered the playing budget for next season. Yeah, with this with this couple, the public more than covered their playing budget for next season. If yeah. you think about it, probably give them two or three. To be honest, I wouldn't go that far because I, I would I would expect the playing budget might be something in the region of about. Well, like, this is just a number out of the air, but it'll definitely be in the region of about fifteen hundred a week. So if you think about it, forty odd weeks of the season, you know, with the prize money and the gate money and everything else, they've they've pretty much covered a season's worth of playing budget. And the BT Sport money, I. And mustn't forget that too. There'll be a little. There'll be a bit from that, you know. So it's a case of yeah, Morpeth will be comfortable now if they've got m- much in the way of debt. Those will be cleared, and so it's a case of you know things will be looking rosy for Morpeth Town, and uh, you know they've had their day in the sun. And do you know something? I think they've well earned it, and uh, you know they might gain one or two more supporters next season on the back of that. It will be good. So let's let's move on to the trophy. Now we were sitting in the Halifax end. Or quarter, um, and so obviously it suddenly became a, a little bit better uh, when uh, we had a bit more fans around us. There was a bit more noise and things going on uh, in our little area. Now that game, I thought the first half. Oh, it was a non-event, wasn't it? I, I wanted to go home. I was so bored. The quality was poor after the pulsating game that we had. The quality was poor. Halifax looked. To me, uh, and I may get burnt for saying this, but I think they looked like a defeated team to begin with. They were, they seemed to be rushed, not being able to do anything. Grimsby was strolling it. Halifax were doing all they could to keep there, but there wasn't a shot on target in my by mind uh, in the first half. But second half started like a flyer, and then an absolute cracking goal. Just don't think about it. Hit it from uh, McManus into the top corner, and all of a sudden we had a game on. And I think it's credit to to me, it's credit to Halifax after the crap season they've had. Gone through the managers, gone through absolute spankings, one of them at the at the hands of Grimsby. And yeah, they've just officially, um, because of the quirk of the way the final was played, there's two divisions between the two sides. And Halifax snuck the win. So as Libby pointed out, um, because Halifax have already been relegated, you can say it's the second year in a row that a Conference North team has won the trophy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, the Halifax have had, you know, I think three weeks since the season ended to prepare for this. So, in a way, um, as I said uh, at the stadium yesterday, it's it's kind of like the start of next season for them rather than the end of the season they've just had. So. I think they, you know they they had three good weeks to prepare, whereas Grimsby obviously had their their playoffs to to get through. Um, and that, towards the end, it looked like Halifax were the team that had got promoted rather than than Grimsby. I mean, it it was quite a yeah. frantic end to the game. Um, chances at both ends, and I I think hopefully you know it'll propel Halifax on for next season to um you know to hopefully push for promotion back up but yeah it was a it was a fantastic goal um worthy of winning any match and you you know they they get 50 grand from from that for winning you know for the prize money for the final which 
is not to be sniffed at for a club like Halifax, who, you know, let's let's not forget are a, a Phoenix club. Um, and, yeah, it's a shame that first half couldn't have been, uh, well, maybe not have happened, but, um, yeah, great goal. And um, it, was a, it was a great second half, which makes you kind of forget the first half. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a good end to, the, good end to a, a great day. I suppose in many, I suppose in many respects, the fact that the first half had been such a cagey. I think I described it on the Facebook account as cagey, almost sterile. You know, it was, a, it was almost a case of neither side really wanted to take a chance. Grimsby knew that they'd got their success for the season; they'd got promoted back into the football league. And um, Halifax Town knew, you know, they, they they knew what kind of season they've had, and they just didn't seem to want to take a risk in that. You know, in that first five minutes. I think if we'd had a, a, a first half. Like the uh, Vars final, I, f- I fear it could actually have been, you know, it could have been Grimsby almost, you know, trotting away with it. But by the fact it was, you know, both teams had to come out in the second half and st- start to take a risk or to gamble on a few things, you know, basically set it up for um, for McManus's winner, as it turned out to be. And it it was one of those games, and it's a it's a cliche, and it, you hear it all the time, but it was a game that did need the goal to bring it to life and in the end that goal did bring it to life and it was a case of you know Halifax were having to defend but in, with all the defending they had to do I never really got the sense that Grimsby were going to were actually going to break through yes there was a few chances but you never got the impression that they were going to you know make that final you know that final little thing that changes changes the match and gives them an equaliser they didn't seem to have that inspiration really to actually go out and pick pick the lock and get back into the game and I, I, I thought you know Grimsby you know are not here you know their minds are elsewhere Halifax have got something to cling on to now and believe you me they clung on to that like a, you know like it's the last tree branch before you fall you know 50 feet to, to the ground they were not going to let go of that trophy, and the way they defended, the way they organised themselves, it was, it was wonderful to see that, you know, th- they were the ones who really did want that win more than what Grimsby did. Yeah, I, I found it nice to uh, to know that even at Wembley, the National Stadium, uh, some people can mess up and not press the clock at the right time, and uh, <laughs> it breaks, and also they don't put the goal up immediately, and uh, the other thing that I think the referee, to me, the referee's watch broke because McManus, when he did come off injured, was down for three minutes according to my watch, and uh, yet yeah, yeah. we only had four minutes of injury time despite six subs. So I'm really unsure as to uh, what happened there, and he actually only played three minutes uh, as well. So it's just uh, another interesting uh, little bits but can think, what, um, yeah I'm just going to say it, it seems like Halifax have gone uh, gone all Man United as well doesn't it because um, the day after well yeah, it hasn't happened yet but it's widely rumoured that um, Jim Harvey will no longer be the manager and Billy Heath who we talked about last week didn't we Kristen um, it looks like he's going to take the job after taking North Ferriby up to the National League it looks like he's going to drop back down Try to do the same again yeah. with Halifax. Um, I know there was a bit of talk. About, I know there was a bit of talk about this yesterday because um, Sam Elliott of the non-league paper um, he did p- put a tweet out on this very subject. Um, I don't know how he'd got the information, but the fact that Jim Harvey this was going to be his last game and he was going to be going to be replaced again with no name in mind. 
which is a strange thing to have over you when you go into the biggest game of your season, the one that will give you a little bit of a little bit of brightness to last you through the summer after having such an awful ten months. So I know I'm I'm not sure about the timing of it, but at least there's one thing: Jim Harvey's left his successor, you know, left Billy Heath with a squad of players. Whether they all want to stay at Halifax for next season is another question, and you know he'll have to do a lot of sweet talking to persuade them to stay there. But the spirit is definitely still there in the club, and you know I think if they get a decent start to uh, to August and September, then they probably won't be too far away out of the running. Well, I think yeah, my my sources tell me that uh, Billy Heath. Um, it was a few weeks ago, um, two or three weeks ago, when this was being discussed with him. Um, but the the thing um, I've, I've also got is that Ferriby could potentially lose a couple of players because there are some of those live uh, close to uh, Halifax and dropping down. Yeah, they may be dropping down a division again, but going to play with the manager you know, playing close to home. Uh, makes a lot of difference at our level, but from Billy Heath, yeah. it may seem like a strange decision. But as much as good luck to Ferriby next season between the two clubs, I would go with Halifax, a club that's built on fan base rather than built on somebody's money, and doesn't look out of place in the football league, let alone in the national league. And and that's where I can see why Billy Heath would do it is that. Well, what happens next year if the Alums, who allegedly are selling Hull City as well, I don't know, Rob, you'll know more than that than me, um, if, they pull out the whole, if they pull out the whole area completely, then yeah. what future is there for Ferriby when they only they, they managed to cram, I don't know how they did, 1,800 people into that ground. I can imagine that only 800 of them actually saw the game because it's not the biggest ground, as you know. A lovely place, and a, and a really good. I feel really happy for a lot of the old guard who've been there since the villagers started as a village team and moved up the ranks with them, and they've all helped out. They've chipped in. They've done everything they needed to do, and so I can see why Billy Heath would move across. But I do agree, it's a. It must be galling, um, or Van Garling, uh, to uh, come up with. You win the trophy, the highest thing you could have possibly done, but far from the league. And then get the boot. Yeah, it's a strange one, but I, you know, I mean, Billy Heath's got a great reputation in the game uh, so far for what he's done at, at North Ferriby. Because um, did you know they were a little village club that's only a population of about four thousand? Did you don't know if you've ever heard that, but you know, it's uh, it's, it's true. Um, and you know, he's done a fantastic job there. And as you say, you know, the, it's 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 an unstable future you would say for for them due to their associations with with their illustrious neighbours so it, it's it's a good good move for him obviously a uh, much bigger club um, the share probably hold more than the village of North Ferriby um, and we, we said last week as well didn't we you know that if offers did come in this week this summer it'd be a big decision for for Billy Heath, because if he stayed at Ferriby and then they go ten games without a win and he gets, you know, he suddenly gets gets the, the last job. Spot. 
then mm. you know, yeah, as as we saw with Neil Aspin, then you know it tarnishes your reputation somewhat. So it's a it's a good opportunity for him to to move on now while his stocks never been higher. Same as we mentioned with uh, you know with Danny and Nicky Cowley at going from Braintree to Lincoln. You know, you, you've mm. got to time these things, and uh, it looks like they've done it perfectly. Now, there's there's something I want to move off. Uh, it is a it's an interesting topic, but I just want to go back to the trophy final, and I want to contrast and compare. I know it's something that we I mentioned yesterday as soon as the game finished and saw what was going on. After the Vars final, Hereford, all their seventeen twenty thousand fans stayed there, cheered their team to get their medals, cheered the ref, cheered Morpeth. And really surprisingly and really nice, I thought, Hereford, the team, did a guard of honour as Morpeth came down with the trophy and went over to their fans and stuff. And then the Hereford team went over, did a little lap of honour for their guys over over in their quarter. And then they left the field and then the, then the North... Um, the Hereford fans started leaving the stadium and, and going off and doing the things you do after the game. Stark contrast to Grimsby and the fans started leaving before Grimsby had even, before the referee, the referee had even walked up to receive his uh, medal. And so by the time Grimsby as a club, over half the fans had gone. And then when Grimsby came down, rather than doing any guard of honour or anything like that, they did a rather haphazard, little bit of clapping, standing, looking rather, oh, come on, get a move on, I want to go home sort of thing. And so I think they detracted a little bit. I know they had their day out the week before and they won the playoff and they're back in the, the uh, football league and stuff. But I just thought the difference between the way the two clubs reacted to their loss was huge and there's a massive gulf there. The only thing I did did respect Grooms before is that uh, they brought out a, a banner for one of their long uh, lifelong fans and they were all, all the players were signing it for his family and stuff. So that I thought was very nice but it just two minutes it would all have taken to do a little guard of honour let him come down or even for the fans just to stay another 10 minutes 20 minutes. It, it just seemed a bit well it's a bit of a letdown and it's not something I would have expected um, after all, they, they were enjoying. Well, you would hope they were enjoying the day out to Wembley. I know it was only a week after they'd previously been. Yeah, it was. Um, as you say, as soon as the final whistle went, that was it, wasn't it? It was. It was like someone had taken the plug out of the bath. They just all. It just emptied. Did the uh, did the Grimsby end? It was. It, yeah, it was a bit of shame. I mean, as you said, they didn't even spare to seek to applaud their own team up to get their their medals. Whether it would have been different if if they hadn't already uh, been at Wembley the week before, I don't know. But mm. yeah, and then just for the players just to be milling about and just half-heartedly flapping the, the Halifax players, so they came down the steps, and no sooner had the last one of them touched touched down off the bottom step, the the Grimsby uh, Grimsby players were back in the dressing room. So it's a little uh, little distasteful, but uh, you know. What you know? What can you do? It's you know the Hereford should you know take an awful lot of credit for for that guard of honour and the uh, and the fact that the fans stayed after being humped four one. That it was um you know yeah as you say it's a stark yeah. contrast. I think what ha I think the way to look at it is the way that the you know the two clubs in the Vars treated the day. Many of them knew that they'd probably never ever play at the play at Wembley ever again. 
and so they made sure that they filled the day with everything that they could. And you know, th those Hereford players now they've been promoted up out of the Midland League and out of the vast competition. It might be a lot, a long, long time before any of those players ever play on that pitch. The same for the Morpeth Town players. Many of them will probably never even go to Wembley in their lives once again. And it was a case of the, both teams made sure that all all of the players, all of the officials, all of those on the bench, you know, had a you know had a day that they would never forget. Even though Hereford, you know, got locked, got beaten, they'll still remember the day, but not in the way they wanted it. Whereas Grimsby, I mean, that's the third time they've been to Wembley in, in a few years. You know, so it's a case of for them, it's there's not the attraction, there's not the novelty anymore of playing there, because they've probably played there, and you know it's, it's I mean, some of those who were who, who turned out yesterday for Halifax, it might be the same for them as what it is for the Heavyford and the Marpeth Town lads, many of those will probably never get to see Wembley again and so, you know, I think it's just the way that both teams treated their day at Wembley, Grimsby were a little bit blasé about it, we've been here before, we've done it before it's nothing special, the other three teams made it for the spectacle what it was and treated it as such and you know there to me lies the difference you know and I have to admit seeing the you know seeing the Hereford Town boys line up in those two rows at the bottom of the tunnel I thought you know there is still something there is still things good about this non-league game that we love and Hereford and Morpeth Town they basically put it on show yesterday and you know in many respects uh, you know kudos to them for doing so yeah uh, but for the you know, trophy finalists, well, you know, for, for for them the trophy means nothing no more for Grimsby because they want, you know, they'll have to take the chances in the things of the, what is it, the Johnston Paint Trophy or things like that, you know. So that's it. I mean, I just think that's where you look at it. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It it, it looked and I thought that yesterday is that Grimsby were acting like a league team who'd lost. Well, okay, I'm not bothered now. It's a job. This. It's not a day out at Wembley. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not all the other thing. Uh, one positive I would have thought from uh, four Grimsby is that I would expect them to be able to get a decent price once Omo Bogal uh, goes to actually play some league clubs because he did look very good yesterday. Didn't get a lot. Uh, didn't do a lot. But I know he's had a good season as well. And so I think he could uh, fetch a good price for them uh, later on. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really have an awful lot of service, did he? He was trying, you know, everything that he managed to do, he had to sort of like create himself. But I thought both strikers got short shrift from the ref in the trophy. Both the strikers were getting bundled, getting manhandled, and weren't getting protected a lot. Uh, they weren't. Uh, they weren't being given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I would say. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there was seemed to be a lot, a lot. Saw that happening. That wasn't getting getting pulled up. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Congratulations again to to Halifax because it was a inch official inch. Well, you know, we, I would, we, I would we, said, we said at half time, didn't we? You know, this this, and I think I tweeted it as well. It's like this this game's just going to trundle and all the way to penalties. It's you know, it's just very pedestrian, and you know, you just get that that wonder goal out of nothing, and uh, you know, that that's it. It's, it's a Historic, historic day for for Halifax. Mm, indeed. And um, as I say, just from my point of view, I would 
I don't know what the book is because I'm not a betting man. Unfortunately, we couldn't have Dave with us tonight, but uh, I'm pretty certain they would have classed both Morpeth and Halifax as underdogs from yeah. a betting perspective. Absolutely, yeah. And because sure, uh, I was listening to a few of the Halifax uh, fans as I was travelling on the tube back over this way, um, and they were saying that they couldn't believe two or three of them said. As I knew they were going to win because Grimmins weren't going to be bothered, and they were all not arguing. They were just saying that, and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. Cause we had this discussion in the pub last week. I said we were going to do this, and, and so it was. A, it was nice to see that. It was nice to see um, the joy uh, in the in there, and it was it was a, a pleasant journey back over. But just to knock us back a peg or two, Rob, you weren't around last week to be abused by James. <laughs> well, it's never stopped him before. Well, <laughs> the only reason I say to be abused by James is that anybody who listened last week will know that James, out of a possible, what, uh, three, six, nine, twelve points, scored the grand total of five. Uh, and that's just to, not even going for the ones who won, that's people who got promoted. Um because I think if we, if we gave you three points for getting somebody who actually won the league, then you'd have uh, another couple of points because you, obviously Hampton, uh, as we know, won. But uh, you I have to admit it. that's one that I shall never be allowed to forget. When really, when you're about it. I'm not allowed to forget that one. The fact I didn't have the faith and trust in my own team. It sound you sound oh, like uh, was it Lewiston Smith, uh, the guy who voted a bet against his own team. <laughs> Mm. But you did finish second, thanks to Salford City sneaking a promotion uh, through the playoffs, and Folkestone Invicta, who were represented yesterday at Wembley by, uh, I'm not sure what age group it was, but they were some of the flag, flag bearers uh, in the non-league finals day, uh, but you, they were promoted as well, so you snuck second place with a grand total of two points and I obviously only got one because <laughs> uh, I'll have to admit Chris it, it, it says a lot about our abilities as forecasters doesn't it you know just a case of but then again that's that's the that's the non-league game you just very often cannot tell at the start of the season who's going to be there at the end you know it's just I mean I, I mean I thought for the Roman Premier League it'd be somebody like Harrow Borough and they finished in the bottom eight. So it just goes to show that what happens in one season doesn't necessarily follow for the next season, and sometimes you've got to throw it all out the window and start again. If you thought it was going to be Harrow Borough, why did you go for Hendon? <laughs> I know the share is around, but... Because, because I'd, I'd completely forgotten the one. No, I knew it would begin with H. I knew it was that part of the time. But, yeah, well, but don't forget same thing applies, you know, it's just a case of, you know, form of one season doesn't necessarily transfer through to, you know, to, the, to the next. You know, it's a case of next season in the Ryman, you're going to have to look at, um, you know, again, at teams like teams like Dulwich and teams like Bognor Regis and things like that. And, you know, they might just be mid-table and, you know, appear with nothing and it could be somebody else winning the title we've never even noticed. It's the way it goes across all the divisions. Well, it is, and it's what makes it exciting and, and makes it good. So it has been an interesting one. I really like uh, I like the non-league finals day. I believe firmly that it's going to happen again next season. Um, yep, hopefully they won't mess around with the scheduling and put it against an England game or anything like that. But they also need to come up with a better hashtag. There are going to be other things that we need to discuss next week, so we will not be going on our summer break quite yet. 
we do have the announcement of the league restructuring that we're going to go through. Um, also, some sad news coming out of the BBC as part of their cutbacks. Um, I believe James, it's the non-league show is now not going to be nationalised. It's going to be regionalised again, like it was before. Uh, well, I, I'm not actually sure what the plan is. Um, it, it's going to be revealed on a on their final show uh, this coming Sunday, so we'll be able to talk about it next week. Um, but yeah, as part of the cutbacks, it's no longer going to be on the BBC. But as yet, they haven't said what's going to happen. Um, I can't imagine it finishing. Um, whether it goes back to, I hope. I hope not. Yeah, it goes back many years, and it's yeah. I'm, it's over a decade now. It's been going, and you know, it was on BBC London before. Um, but even even if they just did it as a, you know, as an independent podcast, it would you know it would still be successful. It would still be the non-league show. Um, it doesn't have to have the BBC banner on it, or uh, if not, then we'll just take the mantle of the premier non-league podcast. That's, yes, uh, so I think I think that's my, that's that's my idea. Fine. We'll, we'll take that. <laughs> if if, if I can have some of their budgets. You know, if, yeah, if, they, I mean, the, if they want to come on this show, then I mean, uh, they're more than welcome. I mean, the one thing about what the non-league show did when it was a, a BBC and a, a national concern was it brought news and it brought features about clubs that you wouldn't necessarily have much much thought of. You know, so us down in London, hearing about, you know, a, cl a club in the North West or up in Newcastle that, you know, for us would just be a name. You know, it would give you a little bit of background to it. And so I think if it could still be, you know, and, you know featuring the whole of the non-league game, it would still, it would be, still be a benefit to everybody. But it has to be regionalised. You know, everybody will, you know, basically pick the near, the local one. It's a possibility if it goes to be in a podcast, and at least you'll be able to access it somewhere. But you know, it's a shame it's going to happen. But I suppose it was inevitable once cutbacks were going to be announced that something but like this would happen. We'll find out exactly what happens next week, and maybe one day we'll find out where Rabbit Robo comes from. Where else? <laughs> Rob, um, how's the blog going? Um, I put something on. I think I put something on last week, didn't we? The week before. Uh, time's right for another feature. Time's right for another article with the restructuring proposals. When I finally get a few minutes, because I've got a few things on at the moment, I shall sit down, digest them, and put my own take on them. I can see the good points, I can see the bad points, but we'll kick it all about next week. Um, as Tristan said, still doing uh, Twitter with Ribbid Robo. One, one day, the infamous one day, might find out about it. Still. Well, come on, you keep finding such interesting stories for us to discuss, James. You're going to have to stop doing it. Um, yeah, still maintaining the uh, this podcast's Facebook page. There's quite a bit of, there's a few photographs and a few things from yesterday on there. So if you want to have a look, please go and you can see some of the photos we took. And, um, you know, uh, having a, a slightly slower summer, still doing the press work at Hampton, Richmond Borough. Oh, it's going to be a big big after the uh, the summer with the uh, stepping up the division but James we can always find you at under the league and uh, where else uh, yeah underleague.com I'm currently uh, doing a, a feature on the on the finals day um, so hopefully that'll go I'm not I don't want to just do two so I like match reports I'm just trying to write about the day itself and incorporate the games hopefully that'll be up in the next day or two um, but other than the website you can find me Twitter and Facebook it is under the league and uh, next week should be an interesting chat shouldn't it that's uh, something to look forward to I can't yeah. wait 
yeah, it's 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 always going to be interesting, and it's so I always look forward to it. But uh, you can always follow the show at NonLeaguePod, uh, or you can go across to the website to listen to the whole of the back catalogue if you wish. That's NonLeaguePodcast.co.uk. Um, but you can also go over to Facebook, which is Facebook.com/slash The NonLeaguePodcast. But really, whatever you've been doing, I uh, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.